life happens to those who show up, and I'm glad you showed up with us today. I'm your host, Daniel Robert Sanchez, and welcome back to MindFlow, a show to help you find your flow. With short, to-the-point concepts to help you tackle daily life challenges faster than it takes you to get your Route 44 Cherry Limeade Slush from Sonic to quench your thirst on a scorching hot day. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and join the show's Facebook group called Mindset Mecca for daily motivation and transformation. Do you think you could go one day without using your phone or your tablet or some type of technology minus the fact if you're at work and you have to use your computers? Why does it even matter? Well, when it comes to technology, who's the master? Do you control your technology or your smartphone or tablet or your desktop? Or what about Siri or Alexa? Or does your technology control you? And here's another way of putting it. Do you have a grip on your technology or does your technology have a grip on you? In the technological world that we live in today, it would be impossible to avoid or have zero screen time per day. But if you're an adult between the ages of 18 and older, I think it's important that you learn about why it's important to have limits on your screen time. So today I'm going to talk about these three elements. Number one, how much screen time is healthy for you? Number two, what are the most common practices for limiting your screen time? And number three, does your technology bring you closer together? And if you're ready, then I'm ready. So let's go. Element one, how much screen time is really good for you? I found an article on readhealth.com, and they said this, experts say adults should limit their screen time outside of work to less than two hours per day, and anything beyond those two hours should be redirected to do some type of physical or social activity. But I'll be honest with you, there isn't really a magic bullet or a magic number of the amount of hours you should or shouldn't be in front of screens if you're an adult because there's just way too many different variables to count for each person. However, there is specific and clear evidence that indicates too much screen time can be detrimental to your well-being. And by detrimental, this is what I mean. Increased loneliness and depression, higher levels of anxiety, higher stress levels, higher associations to adult ADHD, lack of concentration and the ability to think deeply or creatively, sleep disruption, isolation from family and friends, denial or hiding your amount of screen time, and here's one of my favorites, FOMO, fear of missing out. And last but not least, that feeling of panic or anxiety you get after you leave the house and you remember that you left your smartphone at home. Mm. I think we've all been there at one time, seriously. And if you're aware that you use technology too much, here are some withdrawal symptoms if you try to stop using technology cold turkey restlessness, anger and irritability, problems focusing and concentrating, problems sleeping, jonesing for access to use a phone or a tablet or some type of device to relieve your technology craving. It's crazy, right? So do me a favor. From here on out, listen from a place where you can take some of the information from this episode and share it with someone that you love and care about, if you think they should hear it. So please, take what you find valuable and discard the rest if it doesn't apply to you. And here's one of my favorite mottos that I live by to this day. If you don't need it, delete it. But at least listen to it because it's better to have it and not need it 
than to need it and not have it. Okay, but seriously, how do you measure how much is too much? Because the answer to that one question is going to be different for everyone, for all types of different reasons. Current mental health, physical health, happiness at home or happiness at work, the type of screen time, the quality of screen time, if it's healthy content or harmful content. I mean, this list can go on forever. So this is what I recommend. I suggest that you pay attention or become highly aware of your moods and your emotions and your behaviors. And for whatever reason, if you can't put your finger on why you might be feeling lonely or stressed or just not the same, then you might want to start practicing different ways to reduce your screen time. And before I talk about some practices to help you curb your screen time, I want to drill down on those most common negative effects of having too much screen time because I've recognized that I struggle with tech along with the majority of everyone else I know. So getting a grip on my technology is something that I'm learning, and it's hard. It's not easy. And it pushes me way out of my comfort zone. But I'm learning it so that I can strengthen myself as a father and as a husband and as a leader and somebody that can just share information if you're looking for it. Dr. Vivian Tran, who's an internal medicine physician at Scripps Clinic Mission Valley, she says that there are six primary health concerns that excessive screen time can lead to. So let's start from the top. The first health concern is eye strain. The second health concern is insomnia and poor sleep. The third, neck, shoulder, and back pain. And yes, even if you're only using your phone, this can still happen. And the term they use in the medical field is called text neck. And the fourth concern is carpal tunnel, tendonitis, and other repetitive use injuries. And here are the two concerns that everyone knows but hates to talk about. Number five, the fifth concern. Too much screen time can lead to a sedentary or inactive lifestyle, which has been linked to heart disease and obesity. And finally, the last concern, number six, a social media addiction. And I'm going to get to the practices to help you curb your screen time in just a minute. But while we're on this topic of how addicting technology is for adults, here's something I found out about the impact technology has on kids. When I found this out, Honestly, it blew my hair back and truly opened my eyes for these two reasons. Number one, I have kids and they're under the ages of five. And number two, all of us, all of the adults in this room, we're all just really big kids with more responsibilities and life experiences. Okay, so check this out, especially if you like your Microsofts or if you like your Samsungs or if you like your Apples. In 2010, Apple released the first ever iPad. And since it was the newest product on the market, Steve Jobs did what he normally did. He went around to all these big tech companies and did presentations and showed it to everyone and talked about it. And at one of those events, when he was talking about all of the bells and whistles about the iPad, he said things like it was a one-stop shop and that it provided the user with educational tools and a web browser for surfing the internet and that it gives anybody that uses it the ability to interact with other people around the world. Plus, you could also listen to music on it. And later on that day, he did what he normally did, just interviews for everybody that was there. And one of those interviews was with a reporter by the name of Nick Bilton. And Bilton ended up writing an article in the New York Times about this exact conversation that I'm about to share with you. Bilton, who's worked with Jobs plenty of times in the past, was fully aware that Jobs had a very unique personality. Nothing Jobs ever did ever shocked him until that day. So what was it that Jobs said that shocked Bilton? Okay, here we go. I'll make this quick. During his interview, Jobs described the iPad like this, quote, 
What this device does is extraordinary. It's the best experience you've ever had, way better than the laptop, way better than the smartphone. It's an incredible experience. End quote. And after Jobs said how great the iPad was and how phenomenal the experience was, Bilton asked him this question. Your kids must love using this. And Jobs' response shocked him. Jobs said this, quote, They haven't used it yet. We limit how much technology is used in our home. End quote. Look, I don't know about you, but if you look up the definition of what a red flag is, shouldn't it have a picture of Steve Jobs holding an iPad? I'm just saying. Mmm, I'm sorry, Mr. Jobs. What was that? Did you just say that your kids haven't used the iPad yet because you limit the amount of technologies used in your home? Is that what you just said? Did I hear that? Uh, red flag. But guess what? Jobs wasn't or isn't the only one who thinks that way amongst all of the big tech CEOs or people that live and work in the Silicon Valley because all of them sing the same song. And if you don't believe me, do me a favor. Let's all pull out our phones at the same time and send Bill Gates a text with these four letters. WWJD. What would Jobs do? What would Gates do? What would anyone else do? Because the science behind letting children use tablets or smartphones will blow your mind. And I'm not going to get into all of the details in this episode, but think about it. Think about this. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, two of the most powerful and influential big tech figures in our recent history, rarely or hardly ever let their children play with the groundbreaking gadgets and gizmos they helped create. Why? Why is that? Don't you think it's strange that the wealthiest tech execs and Silicon Valley elites limit their very own children's screen time and technology usage but they endorse children all across the world to buy and use the technology they help build. Red flag! And by the way, I'm not calling you out or trying to create any kind of conspiracy theories here, because if you didn't know about this, I'm right there with you. Neither did I. In fact, moving forward, I have to rethink the way I roll out tech and screen time for B1, baby one, my four-year-old, B2, baby two, my 15-month-old, and B3, my newborn that'll be here in October. So I'm right there with you, but think about it and let that digest for a minute. And now let's get to those practices for helping you limit your screen time after a quick break. Okay, welcome back. And before I forget, happiness is a choice. And I'm happy you decided to tune in for today's show about the grip that technology has on us. Okay, let's keep going and get to our second agenda item. Element two. And what element two is, is going over a few recommendations that I have for limiting your screen time. And I'm sure there's more out there, but these are the ones that I've been focusing on and that I've been working on. And there's seven of them that I'll hit really quickly. Number one, set a timer to go off every 30 minutes, whether you're on a computer or a smartphone or a tablet, so that you can look away from your screen for about 30 seconds. But the key here is to look really far away at an object in the distance. Number two, track how long you spend on your devices and your screens per day. And be intentional about substituting some of that time with social interaction or physical activity. Number three, avoid looking at your phone or any type of backlit screen the first hour that you wake up and the last hour leading up to the time you go to bed. 
Number four, stop using your smartphone as your alarm clock. And this is actually easier than you think because you can buy an alarm clock on Amazon that'll do the trick for like 10 bucks. The one I got was about 20 bucks or maybe 25, but it's got a curved screen, big red numbers, and it even projects the time on the ceiling just in case I don't feel like moving my head. Ooh, and number five, I'm going to dig my teeth into this one. Number five is definitely the hardest. It took me the longest time to get used to this one, but once I got it, I'm so much more productive. Number five is to turn off all of your notifications except when you get a voicemail or a text. Think about that for a second. How could turning off all of your notifications help you? Each notification that you have turned on about the weather or the news or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or ESPN, HGTV, MTV, Amazon, whatever it is, those algorithms are meant to notify you in real time about current events. But what most people don't know is those same algorithms are also meant to notify you when too much time goes by without you looking at their site or their app. Meaning, if there's some time that goes by without you looking at their site, you'll get a ghost notification to make sure you look at your phone. Because once you do, boom, they got you engaged, now you're back on your phone, hooked. And all of them do it. Think about it. If you have your notifications on, your phone is telling you when to look at it. But if you turn them off, now, you'll only get notified by someone you know is trying to get in touch with you, and you'll be in control of when you want to look at all of those sites or apps that you like to look at each day. You can still get your fix, but on your terms instead of their terms. Just try it. Try it and notice how much more productive you are. Okay, moving on. Number six. At the top of every hour, no matter what type of screen you're in front of, Make sure that you stand up, stretch, and walk around for a little bit without looking at any other screens for about, I don't know, five to 10 minutes. And number seven is for making sure that you have zero screens in front of your face during breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Or you could just say it like this, don't eat in front of any screens all day. And number eight, avoid text neck by paying close attention to your posture when you're using your screens. Because using your phone too much on top of all of those other screens will lead to pains in your shoulders and your neck. All right, and we're almost done here. So now let's talk about the third element on our agenda. Element three, does technology bring you closer together? And this is a topic I truly love. I learned a lot about this by a guy named Adam Alter. He's a professor who got a PhD in psychology from Princeton. And in 2015, he heard about that interview between Jobs and Bilton about the iPad and how Jobs limited technology usage in his own home. After he heard about that interview and read that article in the New York Times, he dedicated the next two years of his life researching and learning about the psychology behind Jobs' decision. And then he ended up writing a book about it called Irresistible, The Rise of Addictive Technology and the Business of Keeping Us Hooked. If you and I are like-minded, or if you're like me, or you've ever watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix about the danger of persuasive technology and what they call surveillance capitalism, I think you're going to love what Adam Alter has to say. Alter's work is really good for two reasons. Number one, he doesn't sugarcoat any of the negative side effects of big tech. And number two, I love how he believes that it's not all doom and gloom, and that it's still... 100% possible to live a healthy, meaningful, 
and rich lifestyle in a world that is rapidly evolving due to technology and algorithms and artificial intelligence. And here's how this all ties in together of whether or not tech is pulling you closer together or pushing you further apart. In 2017, Alter had a TED Talk where he talked about what would happen without the distraction of being on a screen during simple, basic things that you do each day. Like this. If you made a rule to not use tech or screens while you're eating dinner with the family or with whoever you're with, what would happen? Would you be listening better? Would you have better conversations and make better personal connections? Would you be more present and in the moment with whoever you're eating with? And picture this, have you ever walked into a restaurant and noticed how many people are sitting together, but they're not talking to each other? Like a family of four that are all on their screens. Or a couple, they're sitting apart from each other and they're both on their phones. Or what about a parent and their child who are both on separate devices? No talking, no eye contact, just consumed by tech waiting for their food. And how about this? Do this next time that you go to Starbucks during lunchtime. Count how many people are in line talking to each other. And then after you order your drink, count how many people are waiting for their coffee who aren't looking at their phones. Count them and add them up. The numbers will blow you away. Okay, but moving on now, let's get back to Adam Alter and his TED Talk because he finished his TED Talk by using this analogy. And I'm paraphrasing this, by the way. The way we use our phones and tablets and computers these days are like driving in a car at warp speed with the pedal to the metal, foot to the floor, whizzing and passing right by life. Because that's what we're doing. We're speeding and flying and blowing right past everything. But between these two options, which one sounds like a better life experience? Number one, imagine taking pictures of the ocean while you're flying right past it. I'm sure you'll get some great ones just flying right down the highway. Or number two, pulling over and taking off your shoes and feeling the sand underneath your feet and then the water splashing up against your ankles and your toes as you feel the warmth of the sun on your face and listening to the birds and the waves in the distance while sharing that moment with someone you love and cherish and that you care about. Which one are you living and which one would you rather live? Because this is the bottom line. Technology and social media are always changing and evolving and they're not going anywhere. And thinking you have to stop using them to have a better life is the wrong mindset to have or the wrong path to take. But what's really important is learning how to live with technology in a way that doesn't harm us mentally, physically, and emotionally. And we can all do it. We can all do it with the right awareness, the right support, and the right practices. So here's a challenge. I challenge everyone, even myself and everyone I know and I love and I care about. Let's all learn to use our technology in a healthy, safe, and meaningful way. And then let's teach it to our children. And cut. Nice. Print it. Moving on. That's a wrap. Thank you, everyone. And don't forget today's three elements for helping you get a grip on your technology. Number one, how much screen time is healthy for you. Number two, what the most common practices are for limiting your screen time. And number three, is technology bringing you closer together or pushing you further apart? And three episodes that relate to this one are episode 24, Bounce Back from Burnout, episode 13, Consequences of Multitasking, and episode 12, Avoid Comfort Zones. 
So check them out, share them with someone you love and care about, and keep learning to find your flow.